Welcome to another episode of Behind the Sport. Shane uh, here again, flying solo. Uh, for some reason, everyone has a bit of a life um, in motorsport all of a sudden. I think it's because, uh, you know, we've got racing and drags, speedway, uh, circuit racing's kicking off. So everyone's really busy. Uh, doesn't want to spend time just chatting to random people. But, you know, I and I, and I think they're going to miss out tonight because... We have a young lady joining us tonight who has just made the step up this year from uh, junior drags and is now stepping into an insanely, and I hope I've got the horsepower right on this because I think I've probably stuffed it up, 2,500 horsepower funny car. That's Dad's. <laughs> That's Dad's? Oh, no. <laughs> Mine's about we like Brown. We got 2, Madison 000. Brown. Okay, 2,000. Well, we weren't far off it. Close, close. You. I'll claim I'll, I'll blame Chris Mitchell for that. I'm pretty sure he gave me that information. Chris, um, because I look, I'm I'm not a technical person when it comes to motorsport. I love motorsport, but I'm not a nerd at all about it. <laughs> um, I couldn't tell you anything technical about a car. But anyway, so if uh, yeah, so we've got Madison Brown joining us. Um, how are you today? Oh, I'm great. Great to be here. Now I've got to ask first off because we usually find this out at the very end of the uh, podcast. Is this your first ever podcast? Yes. I've never done anything like this before. Awesome. (laughs) All right. You know, we've had so many at so many different levels. Um, Like even Charlotte Pointing, who was on a couple of weeks ago, she, I was surprised that was her first ever podcast. And she's like racing national series and Mm. all, you know, at Super Utes, she raced and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. Um, cool. Um, first off, how did you get started in motorsport? Oh, the the ultimate question: Where did it all start? <laughs> where did it all, where did all, some people say where did it all go wrong? But <laughs> we know other people where did it all start? Where did it all begin? So, I was obviously, well, not obviously, but I was born into a family of race car drivers. So okay. my dad race has raced since like the eighties. And then my mum has been involved heavily in racing for probably the 90s or something like that. Um, So I grew up always knowing in my head that dad was a race car driver. And it was just this, when I was a little kid, that was just amazing. Yeah, dad was a race car driver. How awesome is that? Like, I never had never seen him race until recently, but his cars were always up in the posters on the house and stuff like that. And I was like, mum and dad would find old videos and show me, and I just loved it. And I just wanted to be out in the garage whenever dad was working on engines and stuff, and I just always, it was just around me all the time, and I just loved it so much. And then, um, but getting into actually driving, um, so my dad started crewing on Sam Treasure's Cleveland Express, so that's yep. when I started going down the drags pretty regular regularly, and I I loved it. I used to love running around and collecting. If all the drag races used to have race face cards, what they were called, like little collector cards for each driver, and I used to yep. love running around and collecting them. I think I've still got my binders full of them. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, and this was probably when I was seven or something like that. Um, when I turned eight, my parents approached me and said, "Do you want to drive a junior dragster?" And yep. I thought about it, you know, and I went, nah, no, nope, don't want to do it. 
Okay. Look, looking back on it now, so stupid. <laughs> Why did I say no? And then I actually, I didn't really know what a junior dragster was. They kind of showed me and I was like, nah, I'll just, you know, I haven't fun running around. But then I actually started watching the juniors more and started having an eye, like keeping an eye on them and seeing what they were like and just the camaraderie and drivers and how much fun they were having. And um, probably like nine to 10, I started trying to convince my parents that I did in fact want to have a go because they didn't quite believe me almost because I had said no initially. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to kind of convince them again that, yes, I do want to have a go. So when I was 10, I jumped on a crew of a junior dragster, Luke Viersma's junior dragster. They They were kind enough to let me jump on the crew for that season when I was 10. And so I warmed up the car and I was on the start line and towed him back and was just in the pits constantly and absorbing it. And my parents wanted to make sure that I wanted to do this. Um, And then when, by the end of that season, they asked me, so do you want to do this? And I said, yes, I do. I love it. Um, And we bought the car I'd been crewing on because that was for sale. Um, And we wrapped it to be like Madison Avenue in New York. It was like a green green fading to white with a black skyline on it had the Madison Avenue sign on it because I've got family in America and in New York so that was kind of like a nice homage to them um so yeah I started racing at the age of 11 yep and yeah I can talk you through my career if you want but that's how it started yeah no no we, we will go through your career so um so your first ever um competitive outing you know you get you go through your licensing and then you know you're out there you know for your first ever you know staging up against someone else who did you stage up against who was your first ever i've got no idea (laughs) (laughs) i cannot remember i can tell you you i can tell you who my first finals was up against yeah okay because that was that was a that's a story Yep. Even okay. my licensing is a story. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, tell us about the licensing because we don't want to jump ahead. Okay. So when I licensed, basically, during that time, it was kind of the Android officials just kind of spoke to you and said, hey, do what you feel comfortable. And the general census was that you'll just do a launch and then you idle down the track the rest of the way. And that's that would be it for the first pass because to get your license, you had to do three passes under a certain in a certain time frame, you know. Okay, so I, I, strapping in the car, I was, I felt like I was going to throw up. I was so nervous. This, like, little 11-year-old me, absolutely terrified of, like, what's about to happen to the point where I almost got out of the car. I never told anyone this until, like, a few years ago, to the point where I <laughs> contemplated actually getting out of the car until my mum looked at me, like, foot on the brake, ready to go. And I went, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and they started the car. <laughs> So I I was in it now. There was no backing out. I mean, I could have, but, you know, I was going to do this. Yeah. Um, so just do a launch, right? So I did a launch, scared myself so much, and I got off the throttle. And then I thought about it for a second, thought, hang on, that was fun. And I got back in the throttle and kept going. But meanwhile, on the start line, my mum just thought, okay, she's just doing a launch. Everything's okay. Everything's chill. Um 
and there was a whole group of people behind me watching me get my license. Um, and my mum saw me launch and went, okay, she's off it. She turns around to walk away and she hears me hit the throttle again. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have seen her face because everyone that saw says it was absolutely priceless. <laughs> Just seeing her face going, oh, my God, what is my daughter doing? <laughs> but yeah but then my next two passes so that pass ended up counting towards my license because I did it under enough power um, and then my next two licenses that were full passes and I got my license so that was fun nice nice always good to um, give mum a little scare you know when you're <laughs> just 11 years old and yeah, in a race car so oh. So tell us about your first final. You can't remember your first first ever pass. No. Yeah. But tell us about your first final. I um how long did it take you to get into that first final? I got into my first final in my first season. So yep. I think about halfway through the first season I managed to get into a final. So it was really it was really good. Like and getting to that final, I had to work hard for it. Because I was in a what's called a B junior dragster. So my cutoff was 8.5 seconds to the eighth mile. And every single race I was up against a junior dragsters, which are faster cars with more experienced drivers. So I had to fight for that final. So I was damn proud to get into that final because everyone I was up against had been racing for years and I had been racing for a few months. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I get into the final and I'm up against another a junior driver called Braden Naylor. He had been racing for years again, um, and he I knew he was a good driver, so I knew, like, something's going to have to happen for me to beat this guy. Um, and nobody told me um, to do this. I just kind of thought of it on my own, was like, you know what, this will work. I decided to have a staging duel with Braden because I knew he ref always refused to stage first. Right. <laughs> that was his routine. And yeah. I decided I'm going to break that routine. So I think, so initially both of us refused to go into pre-stage. Yeah. Both of us refused until the starter came up and did the hand signal to say, go into pre-stage. So when the starter tells you to do something, you know, you have to do it. So yeah. I gave in and I went into pre-stage. He went into pre-stage and then both of us refused to go into stage. <laughs> <laughs> we sat there. The starter came up, told us to go in, and we both sat there again. Yep. We both refused to move. And then eventually one of the guys on the start line who was watching me, he came up and apologised after, but he was scared that they were going to red light the race and just say, none of you win, go home. He came yep. up, stuck his head at my cockpit and said, get into stage. And that scared me. I was like, whoo, because I was in a deep concentration. Um, yeah. So I ended up going into stage. And then, mind you, we've been sitting on the start line for probably close to a minute now, which in drag racing, that's a long time. Yeah, that is a long time. <laughs> it's a long time. Um, and so then he goes into stage. I, The lights count down and I we go and it's a close race. And I'm pretty sure I beat him across the finish line, but I'd been sitting there for that long that my engine had heated up and I broke out. Oh, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was my first final. I was over the moon, though. Yeah. I 
got this massive trophy and I loved it. And I think I didn't let it go until like 2 a.m. when I got home and went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> had, to, had to pry it out of your fingers to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So, um, how long did it take you for? So, so with Junior Drags, we have we've had Ian board on before, mm-hmm. and you know he sort of told us about his famous ribs and a couple of other things. And <laughs> um, have you have you had his ribs? No, I haven't had. His ribs. <gasps> really? No, I haven't. Okay, he's telling me that's why everyone's in Junior Drags because of his ribs. Like, oh, that's what he said. I was in Junior Drags before him, so. Okay. All right. So Let's you, just say you, that. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll leave, we'll leave it. We'll leave it at that then. All good. All good. All good. I really need to go and like taste these ribs. I've never heard of these ribs. Yeah, no. Apparently, there's some. They've got some ribs down there, in like their little little area. So I've never heard of this. Might have to get one of my friends that are still in juniors to go nab me a rib. Yeah, go see. Go see (laughs) if it's still a thing or not. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't a thing when I was there. Ah, Ian, 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 Ian. Um, I'm sure he'll be listening to this episode as well. So. Um, so where did you, where do you progress? Obviously you see saying there's like B juniors and A juniors. So how long does it take? Is it like a money thing to step up to A juniors or is it a time? It's an age thing. thing. Okay. I think he did tell us this, but this is a while ago. Okay. So 10 year olds in WA can race C junior dragsters. And I believe this is a, I'm trying to go back into the memory yeah, yep. I believe they have an eleven fifty cutoff on the eighth mile. B junior drags are eleven year olds to twelve and twelve year olds. They have an eight fifty cutoff to the eighth mile, and thirteen and up, so thirteen through to sixteen, seventeen, they have a seven ninety cutoff or a eight second cutoff, and they to the eighth mile. So that's. But okay. you don't have to go that fast, you know, as long as your car's consistent because it's a dull your own class. Yes. So as long as your car's consistent, you'll win races. Like when I was in Bs, I could have done 850s, but I couldn't. we couldn't get my car to consistently run 850s. So my, my car would all day long run consistent nines. So yeah. we just set it to run nines and we're good to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think um, the... Uh, I was at the finals of the WA Drags last year, last season, and I think it might have actually been Chris was talking about you and um, – no, he was talking about – yeah, there was you, Zara, and – Zara? Um, Brody? Brody. We're all, like, superstars, like, dialing in your times. <laughs> I just yeah, I just remember, I just remember your name being mentioned in that lot. But um, you know, if you obviously if you know your car well, then mm. you know you should be able to should be able to dial that in. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So from the B's, when obviously you know age wise, you stepped up into the A's. Mm-hmm. Um. How did you go in the A's? So when I stepped up to A's, I'm trying to. When I, I think when I so when I was thirteen, I stepped up to A's and I got a new car, and yep. that was we re, we wrapped that to as inspired by the Boston Strangler, which was my dad's famous funny car. Yep. Um. So it was like the Boston Strangler Junior. So that's what yep. it was called, and I adored that car so much. I almost cried when we had to take the wrap off that car to sell it. 
<laughs> it was so, oh, so sad. But yeah, it stays in W. It stayed in WA, so it's nice to see it still race. Um, but stepping up into A's, I am my first season, so 13 years old, I believe it was that season. I finished runner-up in the state and sixth in Australia, so that was pretty good in my first season. Yep. Um, 14, the season was cut short. Um I can't remember what I did in that season. I remember I went to America after that, but not racing related. (laughs) Just halfway through the season, I went on a holiday. Um, 15 and 16, there was no juniors running. Um, But when I turned 17, uh, juniors came back. So um, that was really weird. Like when juniors came back, I, I think it was when they came back. There was one event where I went out and all of my reaction times were double O reaction time, so point zero zero something. Yeah. And all day, those were my reaction times, and I was so happy with myself. But yeah, the season I came back after the two year gap was I think I finished I finished third in the state, so that was fun. Yeah. I think for two years out of the seat, I think I was pretty I was pretty happy with that. <laughs> Did you did you end up being able to do anything in that two year gap, like over east at all, or did you just um, try and maintain your reflexes here without <laughs> being able to being I, able to race? Of course, um, I went to Madura twice, but yep. that was it as far as racing wise. I still tried to go down to the track and like support other drivers down there and stuff like that, but yeah, pretty much just kind of didn't do much during those two years. Yeah. I missed racing. That's what I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I know uh, that was about the same time when um, the Viesmas exited drags and yeah. went, in, went into drifting of all things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Luke's been doing amazing in the drifting. Yeah, no, he definitely does does well. So he's just got to uh, stop setting his car on fire. <laughs> and um, Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think Pete... <laughs> Pete's lost a lot more, um, low, lot more hair in the last couple of years. Oh, um, getting a few both... more greys. <laughs> well, it's, I think it's just white now. Um, <laughs> I think it is, yeah. And and uh, yeah, I think the uh, and then the others have just been singed off. So um, <laughs> now, obviously, once you're ready to ste- step out of juniors, mm-hmm. what what was the plan? Okay. Like, what, Tell us about the plan because I've I've heard many stories about what happened with the the Boston Strangler and everything, but I'd love to hear it from you okay. about the story of you getting of, of you guys getting the Boston Strangler. But it was a back. You got it back. We got it or, back essentially. So like yeah yeah okay. Yeah. I'll tell so, the story. So run us run us through this story because again we've been I've been told so many different stories <laughs> and you know who better to tell us than than you. Yeah, okay. So back when I was 14, I don't know why then, but my dad decided that he was going to start thinking about, okay, what's Maddie going to do when she finishes juniors? Um, that's when he started thinking about that. And I'd always said, I want to drive funny cars like like you, Dad. I always said, that's what I wanted to do, you know. I would have driven anything, but if I had a choice, it was a funny car. Um, and before we went on holiday to the US to see some family, 
um, we went over to um, another racer's house to go drop our trailer off because they were going to look after it for us. And um, I'm at, at their house with my mum. We're eating coffee. We're having a coffee and cake, you know, just relaxing. And Dad comes up into the courtyard and goes, guess what I just bought? <laughs> <laughs> and my, me and my mum, both knowing the kind of stuff they had in their shed, my mum looks at him and goes, uh-oh. And I look at him and go, yeah, what have you bought? <laughs> I, I'm so excited. I run down to the shed and Dad shows me a funny car roller. And I'm yeah. elated. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to be able to drive a funny car like I've always wanted. You know, I was so excited. I climbed in it straight away. So that was what my dad originally planned on buying. It was like we hadn't, like, bought it. But dad said, yep, yeah, I'll buy it when we get back from the U.S. Um, then while we're on holiday in the U.S., um, my mum keeps getting tagged in this post on Facebook and she looks at it and it's the original Boston Strangler funny car for sale Yeah. in Perth. So that was, and people start, we start thinking, you know, like we now have the option to have the original Boston Strangler back. Like, do we go with just the original funny car we were going to get, or do we go have a look at this complete, like funny car and it also has that nostalgia and um sentimental value to us because it's yeah. it was our car you know or dad's car that he drove um so when we get back from the u.s we go and have a look at it and it's literally 5ks down the road <laughs> <laughs> so we go and have a look at it and it's like i see the boston strangler that i've heard about my entire life i'm seeing it for the first time the paint job on it was ugly but <laughs> i got to see like that's where my dad sat and like this body that you know looks so cool i've seen and all these grainy videos from the 80s and 90s and i finally get to see it in person and but we go we go see it and we come home we discuss it and all that we ultimately make the decision to buy it we're gonna buy it we're gonna restore it back to how it was and so we go and pick it up and we bring it home and it's it's home. Oh my gosh, it's home. Yeah. <laughs> the Boston Strangler is finally home again. Um, so yeah, that's how we acquired the Boston Strangler. Um, but from the point, from like the 20 years between where, well, my dad's boss owned it initially and my dad drove it. So the 20 years between it was sold and when we bought it, it apparently went to Sydney, um, Tasmania. There's rumours it went to New Zealand. So yeah. it went all over the place and it just showed so up five days down the road. It was in America at one stage. And... Oh, no, it wasn't in America. Uh, it was in America yeah, was, initially. This, 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 mm. is, this is why I thought I'd ask the story from you guys, because from you, because you're obviously going to know yeah. if that part of the story is true or not in terms of like it, it ended up back over there at some stage. And no, it was, was in America initially. And, yeah. That's where it came from when my dad's boss bought it. Yeah. But, yeah, it stayed kind of. Australia, maybe New Zealand, we're not sure, but it stayed around here. And in yeah. the 20 years it was gone, it did about 10 passes because everyone got in it and was too scared to drive it. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and um, what what were your dad's thoughts on you running in the Boston Strangler? The original plan when 
because I, well, I wasn't racing juniors at the time and we weren't sure when I was going to be racing them again. The original plan was for me to get in the Boston Strangler when I turned 16. Right. That was the original plan because since I had raced juniors, you could get a special kind of license early because you had already had experience in junior dragsters. Yeah. So I was going to drive it at 16. Um, but then when that came around, um, when that came around, um, the end of that season, COVID hit. And so yeah. the kind of end of the season when I was going to start doing some things in it and stuff like that, it was COVID. So that got postponed. And then between the time of the end of that season, that COVID cut short and the start of the next season, juniors came back. So I yep. thought I'm going to finish off in juniors first. I'm going to, oh no, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm getting this mixed up. So COVID cut my last season a juniors short. Yes. Yes, that's it. And yes, because I 16, I was supposed to be, I was planning on driving the race car, then juniors came back and the car wasn't quite ready. It was still getting wrapped. Yeah. Um. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to just jump into juniors. and I want to finish off this season. That's when I finished third in the state. And then um, so the following season, dad raced it because we were going to try and race the funny car and the junior, but then we decided against it. We thought we'll just just do the junior, finish that off, and then we'll move into um, racing the funny car. So initially dad drove it he wanted to make sure it was all good before i got into it so fair enough you know um and it he wasn't happy to put me in it because it was a very beast it was a beast of a car it still is that we've still only recently sorted out problems to the point where like he couldn't steer it it just wouldn't right. steer and we just took it that down to having old tires on it so we put new front tires on it now he only recently can he actually steer it yeah. <laughs> like well before he'd be full lock and barely be turning. Right. So yeah, that's, that was the original plan for me to drive the Boston Strangler, but we've had lots of plans throughout the years yeah. that haven't gone <laughs> to plan, <laughs> but that's like, that's kind of now after all that, like all those different plans not happening, it's kind of like I look back on it and all of those, all of the other opportunities I either interrupted those plans or, you know, I got because the plans didn't work. I, it's all been worth it, really. It's just kind of yeah. like I've taken every opportunity to drive something that I could. And it's just, it's made, I believe it's made me a better driver just to, to have the experience in different cars, even if it was just like a launch and something, you know? How was your first time when you sat in that, sat in that car and were able to just put the pedal down? Like how how was that experience for you? Oh, so the original Boston Strangler, getting in that, I, I originally was just gonna, so okay, getting in it was very nerve wracking. Again, yep. felt like I was going to throw up kind of thing. Like <laughs> I was like yeah. strapped in this big monster of a car. Like this thing 
dwarfed me because it's like getting in a dragster you kind of you fit in it right like your legs yeah. fit you're in the body and it, the body's kind of like hugging you right i'm in a this big funny car that's much much like the wheels go out much wider than me and all that this diff and all the drive lane is underneath me and the engine's right in front of me it's like i couldn't see any of that before now yeah. all this big stuff is right in front of me where like where i can see it but first time starting that car i'm so nervous but as soon as the car starts and like the engine revs and the whole thing shaking all of my nerves just wash away and i go back into that automatic like racer mindset i can that's yeah. the only way i can really explain it is this like mindset that you gain while racing and your mind just goes okay i have a job to do so i can't be nervous you know i've got to get this done it just goes into like a deep concentration that just everything just happens. So the first time I was just going to idle it down the track, but I stalled it. So yeah. I did a little burnout and then I stole it. So that was okay. That was okay. Um, but then I came back out and decided I was going to launch it. And so I just did a little launch and I was like, oh, that's so cool. It felt so good to launch something that big and powerful. And then the third time I went out, I went to do a 60 foot and I did a 1.01 second 60 foot. So that was pretty quick. And I just got out the other end with a bigger smile on my face. I loved it so much. And yeah, that's pretty much the extent I've had in the original Boston Strangler though. Because yeah. now I've got another car. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are, so what are you racing now? I'm racing, at the moment, I'm racing another funny car known as the Boston Strangler 2. Boston Strangler 2, yep. <laughs> yeah, Roman numerals, not the num. Okay. I made that very clear. I wanted Roman numerals yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we were designing the car. Um yeah, we were never intending to get another funny car. Yeah. Never intended to get another car in general. I was just going to keep working away at my license in the original Boston Strangler. But this one came up for sale and we couldn't really say no. <laughs> right. We got the opportunity to buy it and the opportunity to have two funny cars. So we bought it. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Just I, too late. Just, I, just two sitting in the garage, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting in school one day, not supposed to be on my laptop, like messages, not supposed to have messages on my laptop, but I get a message from mum because I kind of knew things were happening. Mum goes, yeah. we've got two funny cars. I'm like, yay, yep. in math, <laughs> all excited. <laughs> so how did you keep that excitement in? Yeah, I was sitting next to one of my mates that's really into cars, and I was like, oh, my God, we've got two funny cars. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I was very excited about that. So the um, like what, what are the, I guess, yeah, for a person who's not very technical with motorsport and cars and everything in terms of, you know, special race cars. What what are the fundamentals, I guess, similarities between your junior dragster and the funny car? 
And are there any? Um, um, or is it all completely different? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the engine and yeah. all that, <laughs> you know, control-wise and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like, is it completely different, how, you know, to, to steer or is it? Um, okay, so steering on the Boston Strangler 2, which I'm currently racing, is an absolute dream. It's yeah. such, it drives so smoothly. It can steer it so smoothly. I love it. And it's just, it's amazing to drive. See, on a junior, really, when you put it to perspective of, um, like, especially what I'm driving now, they're not that fast. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I'm a, like a little 11 year old doing 120 Ks an hour. In perspective, it's not that fast, really. <laughs> it feels yeah. weird saying that. Um, <laughs> but um, so, of course, there's the similarities in that you both you drive both of them straight, <laughs> but yep. that's pretty much where it ends. Although, like, they're very different, but my experience of driving a junior definitely helped me in driving a funny car because just the whole like I keep mentioning like the mindset you get into of this like hyper concentration and um just the atmosphere and you know going down a track and all that you know and also growing up around the big cars as well you kind of know what to expect but then you sit in the car and it's completely different (laughs) yeah the biggest thing I had to get used to in um going from junior to funny car is that not only am I going so much faster, but half of the run, I only have one hand on the wheel. Right. Because so, about... that? Okay, so I've got my my left hand stays on the wheel, all right? And then my right hand, I've got to shift gears with. I've got okay. to pull shoots with. And i got to pull my brakes with. Right. So I'm... So, okay. So I launch with both hands on the wheel. And then once I've launched and I've no, I've got it straight, I then put my hand down to where my gear shift is, ready to shift gears. So I see the light come on the dash. I push my shift and I shift. I put my hand back on the wheel briefly just to be like, okay, it's straight. In case yep. something happens when you shift. And then I have put my hand over to my, my right hand over to my right on my parachute levers and I wait to go past, go through the finish line. And then once I do, I pull the parachutes and then my hand goes straight onto my brake and I start easing brakes on to slow down. So, so brake, so as I like, so brakes aren't pedal brakes, like they're, no. it's hand over brakes. It's a hand, okay. hand brake. But that's, that's cool. Well, I mean, you know, as I said, yeah. I don't know this stuff. And yeah, there'll be people that'll be listening as well that won't know you know, what goes on in a funny car and mm. yeah that's that's pretty cool yeah that was my Insane, biggest thing cool. to get over yeah my biggest thing to get over was having just one hand on the steering wheel yeah because it's also they're not these big round steering wheels that you can easily turn with just one hand they're these little yeah. butterfly steering wheels that with just yeah. one hand on it's a very small turning circle so it can be kind of hard to turn sometimes but you get used to it you know it's a weird feeling that you eventually get used to and it just becomes second nature so what speeds are you doing when you when you've got just one hand on that wheel um my highest speed so far has been 320 k's 
Okay. Now, how does that? Now, um, you're 17 at the moment. 18. 18. Okay. Yeah. Got your driver's license? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Everyone laughs at me when they when I tell them that because I've got my racing license. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's probably safer you don't have your car license? I'm a very safe driver on the road. Thank you very much. <laughs> I was not saying that you weren't but maybe perhaps like driving at 60 k's an hour might feel so slow that you might realize not realize you're doing a bit more than that <laughs> that's all i've actually i've the car i've got i don't know if it's because it's like a kind of a sports car it's just it feels really fast when you're not going that fast so that kind of oh, helps that helps yeah <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had cars over the years and like even the one I, I'm driving a, um, a Zuzu MUX at the moment and it's, it feels like you're going so slow, but then like you look at the dashboard and you're like, oh crap, I'm doing a hundred and it's like an 80 zone, better slow down. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that's why I was asking because it's not, it's not having a dig at your driving at all. It's just, <laughs> you know, like you go from that feeling, you know, of doing 300 plus Ks an hour. Mm. And then jumping in a road car. Yeah. And, you know, like your brains, yeah, most people's brains, I think, would be going, go faster. This is slow. Yeah. <laughs> my biggest thing, like driving a road car, because I still drive on my L's and stuff like that. But my biggest thing when I was learning to drive was how sensitive or how sensitive the pedals are. Yeah. <laughs> my mum was teaching me and she'd be like, brake. And I'd slam the brake. Because yeah. that's what I was used to. <laughs> like when you brake, you've got to use your whole brake to slow the car down in time. And she'd like fly forward and always hit the dash. She's like, gently, gently. <laughs> and also <laughs> my biggest pet peeve when driving is people that don't go when the light turns green. <laughs> as soon as the light green, I'm like, go, go. <laughs> Especially when I'm stuck behind someone. That's right. I think we all get like that. So, um <laughs> Speaking of your mum, Chris Mitchell actually asked a question about your mum, mm -hmm. um, about how the hell you guys keep her calm at the track. <laughs> yeah. Is there a story behind this that I'm missing or is it just... It's just the just fact like, that my mum is... Look, there's been videos, like people post like, videos and stuff of our runs and they're like on the start line and they somehow always get a shot of my mum and we always go oh mum look how calm you look because she is not calm whatsoever it's the <laughs> okay. most stressed look on her face because either her husband or her daughter are about to go yeah. flying down a racetrack <laughs> it's just we laugh at her but it's like you know she's a mum she's a wife she worries yeah <laughs> um, yeah absolutely but there's been photos and we go where's Justine because what she does is she with the you don't want to stand next to her on the start line because she All will right. grab a hold of you or she will okay. hide behind you <laughs> <laughs> because we've had photos where she's like peeking out a little bit behind someone you could just, just see her at the top of her head just peeking out because <laughs> yeah and she's she's amazing but she she stresses as anyone would <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely I think I might have to add that to my list of photographs I need to get now. Yeah, I'll send you, I'll send you one. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, I I must say I was watching you last year um, when we finally got our access to the Motorplex and ended up there for half of the for the last half of the season, and um, you know, and I've been given a bit of a you know, brief of yeah you know, who you were and you know that eventually you're going to be running into you know, into a um, funny car and all that. And, um, again, good old Chris Mitchell giving me the rundown of who's who's who down there. He knows everything, Batman. Um, <laughs> sorry, he knows everything that's happening, Batman. <laughs> yeah, no, he's really good. He's really good for uh, information. Um, and I remember like just watching. So, so when I'm down there, I'm just having a look around. You know what's going on, and um, you know I'm not down there taking. You know, like you know, like Phil um, from High Octane and that. You know, they're down. He's down there getting photos for customers and, mm. you know, so obviously he's just taking everything he can um, and we're down there just trying to, you know, get get the different stories and different photos and stuff like that and more um, crowd-based stuff and, you know, more atmosphere stuff. And I was sitting there and I was about to take a photo of you. Um, you guys, had, your dad had done a run and I think there was a problem with the car. Now, I can't remember when this is, so I can't, can't give you an exact. Mm-hmm. rundown of like all this but i just remember like you yelling at all the other bit like the other crew on the team oh. because they were dawdling yeah i remember that <laughs> you remember it yeah because we had a couple and of people and I bought the camera up and i remember like you just shot me this very quick glance and it, and it wasn't <laughs> i i know it wasn't deliberate but it was just like you sort of had looked away and you shot me this glance and i just went I'm going to put the camera back down. I'm not going to even bother. To, I don't want to take a photo of this because I think she might come over and punch me. <laughs> I think what happened was I think that was the run that there was this tiniest little piece of plastic from the um, fuel funnel got into the engine, blocked up one right. of the jets, and it took three seconds. We looked on our data. It took three seconds from the point Dad launched to the after the run that the piston had completely melted a hole through it and right. oil and the pressure built up in the end in the head of the engine and the rocker cover a little there was a little plug in there had just shot out so oil was pouring out of the engine um, right. so there was big plume of white smoke i'm assuming it was this run and we most of us ran to the car to go and see, make sure dad's okay, make sure the car's yeah. okay, see what's going on. Because usually when you see oil, that's a very, like that's the worst thing you want to, you yeah. don't want to see oil. Um, and two of our crew decided to start having a conversation about it on the start line. Yeah. And I'm like, let's have a conversation later. And I <laughs> shouted at them, get in the car now. Yes, that was definitely the run. <laughs> that was the run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> but yes, I was just concerned for my dad and the car <laughs> and yes. his crew were taking their sweet time and I wanted to get down there right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely I remember hearing like, get in the car and I'm just like, put your camera down, don't take a photo of this. <laughs> yeah. You kind of forget there are like other people around you, like spectators watching you and <laughs> Eh, don't worry about the spectators. <laughs> they, they just enjoy the whole show, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, do you find uh, like so? So who's on your crew? Like now, you're 
racing and your data racing. You know, how are you guys going with crew? You got separate crew, or you got the same crew working on both cars? Okay, so we call it. We say to ourselves, we're all one team. You know, if one yeah. if one car's done and the other one needs help, we'll jump across and we'll help. But we have um, people have their jobs on each car, and they've got like they're there. That's their designated car for the event. Um, right now, we're kind of struggling for crew because of like um, the whole be- having to be vaccinated things. They weren't. They haven't had their jabs yet, or they can't help out because things they're busy with things and all that. So the weekend coming up, the Western Nationals crew's kind of looking pretty grim. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're scrounging for people. So, but we'll get it there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, luckily my car doesn't take much maintenance between rounds, but dad's car definitely does. So hopefully I think I've got one guy on my car. (laughs) So that's fun. Yeah. So we're going to try and grab another one off dad's crew to put on my car. Yeah. (laughs) How um, involved with, have you got with, you know, working on the car and yeah, the engine side of, yeah, I guess the, the technical side of things. Yeah, do you do you do a fair bit of the work yourself as well, or do you try and rely on the crew to do that? And um, between race events, um, my dad does all of the maintenance, and I'm as much as I can whenever I'm home because I'm like study and work and stuff like that. Um, I'm out there learning from him, helping him, even just yeah. when he's under the car, passing him the spanners so he doesn't have to get up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but on race day. Generally, I try to do something and my crew won't let me. Right. <laughs> my crew are amazing and they've got everything under control, but me being me, I want to help. And yeah. they go, no, sit down. <laughs> so I just like qu- quietly sit in my chair because it's been like a hot day and they don't want yeah. me with all my race gear on and stuff. They don't want me overheating and stuff like that. But I'm like, I want to help. And they're like, no, you can't. <laughs> Please don't pass out. <laughs> I think, I think the most they let you do is like peg down the tent. <laughs> <laughs> I bad. just got um just got this image in my head of like Ralph Wiggum going, Yay, I'm being useful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but is that how you sort of feel sometimes? Like you when they're telling you not to do stuff, then you finally get to do something, you're like, Yay. Yeah, sometimes like even sometimes I'll let my crew jump in the car and start it. Cause yeah. Like, that's fun, but sometimes at the end of the night, I'm really exhausted from driving. Yeah. And I can only imagine that they're absolutely exhausted, if not more exhausted than I am, because yeah. they've been um, working on it all day. But, yeah, generally I start the cars because I know what I'm doing. But <laughs> I know how to check the car and run through the gears and stuff like that. Um I used to help pack the parachutes, but then the yeah. guy I was teaching how to pack the parachutes figured out how to do it on his own, <laughs> and okay. now he won't let me help. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, this is all in good. It's all in good. Yeah. Faith. Like they don't want me to overexert myself and exhaust myself before I have to go out and do a run, kind of thing. No, they want me to stay awake and well hydrated and stuff. But my crew are amazing. I can't thank them enough for everything they do. Awesome. Um, so, what's what's your future plans with drag race? Like, where do you want to? You want to stay drag racing? Do you want to go other sort of racing? 
You're just going like, to, do you want to go national, international, or do you just want to keep having fun until you decide it's not fun anymore? Is there such thing as it not being fun anymore? <laughs> um, so I don't really have any future plans per se, especially with drag racing. I'm currently studying motorsport at university. That's okay, actually cool. a thing you can do. Yes. <laughs> so I'm currently studying that. So my school week, my week is spent four days at university studying motorsport and engineering and stuff like that. Friday I go to work and on the weekends, every few weekends I go to the track and race cars. So right now my life's pretty good. I'm pretty happy. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, look, if someone came up to me and said, do you want to drive for us in America or something like that? I would drop everything to go do that. Like yeah. I've, I'm the sort of person, like, if the opportunity is there, you got to take it kind of thing. You can't really say no to some opportunities, even if it's just someone here saying, hey, you want to have a go driving my car? Yeah, of course I do. I want to get as much experience and as much different types of cars, like, to experience different types of cars, how they drive, even, like, different of the same type of car. You know, every car's different. Yeah. So if one thing I'd love to experience one day, whether it's an amateur race and I enter a car myself, I'd love to do a 24 hour race. Yeah, I don't okay. know why I'm, I've just, I love the idea of endurance racing and like a team of drivers along with a team of crew getting that car to the finish line. It just, I think I, that would be fun, but honestly, anything, I love anything motorsport. If you said, I'll chuck you in this random car, I'll go, sure, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> There's a there's an event, the 24 hours of Le, Le, Mon, Le Mans, Le which is like, as in as in uh, lemons. Yeah, I was um, literally talking about that with one of my uni friends the other day. We were yeah. like, we should do that. <laughs> we should do yeah, that. Why not? Budget endurance racing. Exactly. <laughs> endurance racing is hard enough as it is. <laughs> Throw yeah. a tiny little budget on there, like. Yeah, it looks like they have a lot of fun though. I'd yeah. like to do. It. I'd like to do that one day myself as well. But I think I, I enjoy too much. Spent just sort of kicking back and relaxing on the sidelines with the camera in hand and um, talking a lot of shit with people <laughs> in the pits. Like I, I think that um, you know, race car drivers definitely have a fan, you know awesome hobby or career. Depends on what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I argue that I reckon I've got the better better deal because you know I don't have to worry about driving the car or anything, and I can just be around motorsport and shit talk with everyone about motorsport all day. It's great. Yeah, it's great life. I don't. But um, <laughs> I've always like obviously loved. I I love anything really involved in motorsport, but obviously driving has always been my main passion. Yeah. Obviously, the fact that I drive cars and have been for a while. <laughs> um, um, I or it always baffles me there are people out there that enjoy motorsport, but if given the chance, wouldn't drive a car. Yeah. From my perspective, I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> Why would you not? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But I think the only thing that ever would ever hold me back is just going, like, I don't want to have to pay for the repairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've been. Yeah, I've done some. Um, sim racing and stuff like on the on decent rigs mm. uh, with racecraft and that and 
I get. I think I last about five laps before I end up in the sand pit somewhere. So, and I, I, I don't know. Drag racing, drag racing. I don't know. I think I need to turn corners. I just want to turn a corner, or at least two corners. <laughs> I don't know. Drag racing. I mean, I love drag racing. I just don't know, like, if I'd compete or want to compete in drag racing. Does Even though you know, when I was when I was seventeen and first got my license, you know, we'd uh, you can't arrest me for saying this because it was too long ago, Mister Police <laughs> Officer. Um, you know, like street racing and stuff, we do all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, not necessarily the stupid things, but you know, more about who can get across the um, the the lights, the fastest sort of thing, and you know, not not the stuff where the guys are racing and going in and out of traffic like that's not we used to do yeah no we used to just sort of like that get off the line the fastest and you know get over the traffic lights fastest and sort of mm. you know go ah beach sort of thing but <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know about drag racing That's definitely good to watch really me because yep. until the past couple of years i could not watch drag racing yeah right <laughs> i've been racing for seven years and over the past couple of years can i actually sit down and for a while and watch racing yeah. Because I think more the fact that now I understand the work that goes into these cars and I understand every, like, how much every hundredth or thousandth of a second, how much work goes into just shaving that little bit off your time. It's yeah. that now because I understand that, I can sit there and watch it and I can appreciate it and I can, yeah. And also, especially at the Perth Motorplex, I've got friends that are driving so I can go yeah. up there and support them. Enjoy watching them. Get get fairly close as well if you if you're in their little pit crew as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that definitely um, you know, from a so I went up into the stands at the last race, at the last one I went to for a little bit, sakes and photos. And it's definitely a different feeling being up in the stands. Um, like you've got the atmosphere of people cheering and all that sort of stuff, but mm. you don't get the the feeling of the car. Yeah. taking off and, you know, rearranging your internal organs and, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, burning your eyes if it's, um, you know, the nitro funny cars and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's very weird. It's a, I don't, I don't know if I could sit up like in, high in the stands and watch it um, down the front or right next to it where I get to do it now. Like, yeah, love it. Absolutely mm. love it. Absolutely. And, um, so, yeah. So many people say how even being like front row in the stands, the difference from being there to being on the start line next to the car is massive. Yeah, it's it huge. doesn't seem like it would be, but it's huge. You're right next to the car, you feel the car take off. It's got the atmosphere of the crew around you, like hoping that it goes well. Um, yeah, it's it's especially when you got two side by side big cars. You know, it's something it's something yeah. special. Now, if you were able to have anyone on your team to help you out, um, you know, even just to, you know, take you out, say, into, even if into another car, um, you know, or, you know, help you out with drag racing or, you know, said help you out into another car, if you could have any motorsport person do that from any era of motorsport, from any form of motorsport, like who would be your ultimate, ultimate teammate slash mentor? That's hard. 
Or have you already got that person? Well, obviously my dad, he's he's a great like mentor and I wouldn't okay. He's a great role model, but he's a terrible teacher. <laughs> <laughs> dad will say, Go out and do your burnout. And I'll be like, Well, how do I do a burnout? You just push just push the throttle. He's, it's a, there's a bit more nuance to it than that, you know. <laughs> so we got a lot more people in to talk me through the technical thing because yeah. dad's great at doing, but he's not always great at explaining how things are done because for him it's just second nature. It just happens, you know. Yeah. So within the drag racing community, um, Michael Marriott was absolutely amazing. He stepped up and he helped me even when I was licensing in the LS Express altered, I just did a couple of licensing passes because I got the opportunity to do that. He would message me on Facebook at night and go give me little pop quizzes of what things, when things happen, he'd be like, you're on the start line and the wheels suddenly stand up. What do you do? What's happening and what do you do? Or like halfway through down the track, this happens, what's happened and what do you do? Yeah. You know, he, just talk to me and if I didn't get it right, he wouldn't give me the answer. He'd wait until I got the right answer. <laughs> I just, he'd try and give me a little bit and a little bit and, you know, until I eventually figured it out on my own. And yeah, he also gave me a great um, little saying of what to do, especially in <clears throat> drag racing. And I think in all forms of motorsport <clears throat> um, was commit, react, recover. So that's like a three-step process commit like whatever you're doing you have to commit there's no halfway in racing and stuff like that if you go oh uh, i'm not uh, i'm not sure uh, it's not going to work you know yeah. you got to be fully 100 percent go into it do it um react was something happens okay you got to react to it fix the problem like straighten the car um either drive through or pedal through tire shake or whatever you know um, and then recover. Okay, that bad thing just happened, but forget about it. You know, that happened. It's not happening now. Put it behind you. You got to concentrate on what's ahead of you now. You know, because if you keep dwelling, oh my God, that bad thing happened. Oh my God, the bad thing happened. The rest of your run's not going to, it's not going to, yeah. it's not going to work. You know, you're going to keep making mistakes. So he was amazing. And even now, like last event, my last run of the night, he just appeared on track in front of me. I don't yeah. know where he was just there, you know, watching what was going on. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it was, it's not, he's been amazing. But outside of drag racing, like people I don't know, that's a really tough one. <laughs> Cause it's like, do I go for like someone fun or do I go for someone who could like actually, you know, who's got a lot of power? <laughs> if that makes sense, <laughs> you know, could actually, you know, get me somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, that's really hard. <laughs> Who would you go for if it was fun? Fun? Um, yeah. Probably Lando Norris. I think he's really yeah. cool. I admire his um, mentality on racing. Yeah. He obviously, He's obviously very serious about it, but he still has fun, you know? And that's, like, if you're not having fun, then there's no, there's no point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fully agree. Fully agree. Um, now Brent, if he was here, he would be asking you this next question. Um, pre-race rituals, Ooh. superstitions, do you have any? 
Um, I always get in the left-hand side. That's just the thing. I always get in the left-hand side of the car, get in and yep. out on the left. That's a thing that I've, it's like a little habit that I've picked up from um, junior days because when you turned off after a run-up in the juniors, you pulled up on the side of the return road. And if you got out on the right, you'd be in the middle of the road with cars being towed. Yep. So you always had to get out on the left. So I just got in and out on the left and now I always get in and out on the left. Unless yep. there's a car right beside me on the left when I'm jumping off the roof of my funny car, um, then I'll slide off on the right, but always in on the left, always. Yeah. And a couple of my crew will give me fist, fist bumps before we go out, but that's that's about it. I always try to... Another thing I've picked up from my junior days is I always... A lot of juniors have routines. They had a very specific routine they'd go through during a run. And when I was crewing, that's something I noticed. And so when I started uh, racing, I always, I made sure I never had a routine that I right. could keep my composure no matter what happened. So if something goes wrong, oh, well, it doesn't break my routine because I don't have one. I didn't, I never had a preferred lane because a lot of the juniors preferred the right lane over the left. So I didn't mind where I ended up. Um, so, yeah, that was, especially in juniors, not having a routine was some, was my superstition. But now, because especially in juniors, because you, if you broke the other person's routine, that would throw them off. Yeah. That was my mentality is like I had, a, yeah. I didn't have a routine, so they couldn't throw me off, but I could throw them off by like picking their favorite lane or, you know, messing, like not, not always, but like sometimes, you know, staging differently each time, you know. Yeah. They didn't know what I was going to do. So that was what I did in juniors. But now it's pretty much just the left-hand side thing. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Um, so besides mum and dad, mm. and you can also, you can mention them again, obviously, if you want. Um, and um, Mr. Marriott, who you mentioned before, who uh, who else have you got to say thank you to for getting you where you are now and obviously continuing to support you in your your drag racing? Um, probably most Jeff from Couplers in Malaga. He has been sponsoring me and the Funny Cars since the Funny Cars started, and he's just been amazing. He's supported me supported me and my dad in both like the racing side of things. And um, he, he'll also come down, you know, he's not just a sponsor that like, you know, like here's this thing or here's that, you know, and then you never yeah. see them. He's a sponsor that is fully involved in the team. When he can come yeah. down, he comes down and his job is the clutch. You know, he does the clutch, he puts the clutch cooler on and he measures things and does all that clutch side of stuff. And, and he loves it. And it's, he loves it and we love having him there and he's just a great guy to be around all or like in general. So he has been absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. Like sponsor wise, he's our main sponsor. So yep. that's been great. Um, on my team, I have um, Bill and Trent and Declan 
their father and two sons and they pretty much my crew they're absolutely amazing like they to the point where like one run I couldn't find my water bottle and they had put it in the fridge because I left it out in the sun yeah (laughs) it's just like little things like that they do and yeah or like I shut down my car early I shut down my car and didn't do a run because the steering was off we brought it straight back to the pits and they fixed the steering in like half an hour it was done it was fixed and we're ready to go for the next run even though it was a couple hours away but they've been amazing and i honestly i wouldn't be running without them because they're amazing crew i trust them um which is something you need a driver needs to trust their crew um absolutely and yeah those are the main people but i've also had lots of support from some pretty big races, which feels great. Like um, Daniel Gregorini and John Zappier, um, Wayne Keys, Lisa Keys, the Cat of Artists. Um, yeah. They always, like, if I walk past them, they'll be like, oh, hey, Maddie, how's it going? How was your last run? Or they'll say, good job on your last run because they watched it. You know, like I'll drive past Daniel and he'll give me a little clap or a thumbs up, you know. They're just, they've been amazing, especially when, other people have been giving me and my family shit for me driving race cars. It's nice to see people like them that actually know the craft, that actually know yeah. what goes on and stuff. Actually, their support means a lot yeah. because, yeah, they know what they're doing. <laughs> awesome. Now, um, you were doing – last question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you were doing some uh, – well, I think a fair bit of the reverse gear for your for your dad – in the last season um any plans to get him to do some reverse gear for you this season (laughs) for him to reverse me um (laughs) god no (laughs) no yeah i always complained when i had to reverse him because he would reverse so fast that i would be sprinting and i still couldn't keep up with him (laughs) and it was sometimes like the photographers would get shots of me backing up and sometimes they'd be okay. And there's other parts where I'm just like faces all scrunched up like because I'm <laughs> sprinting well also with my arm up straight up in the air trying to tell him where to go and yeah. which way to turn. One thing I didn't turn off. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'd be funny, fun to see your dad do some reverse gear work for you. Yeah. If, I, I back up pretty slowly, but if he does, I think I'd have to, I'd have to back up fast just to, <laughs> just to show him being like, yeah, that's what it was like, you know, absolutely sprinting. Because I get back, he does big burnouts, like yeah. probably about sprint. I probably sprint close to a hundred meters, and I get back to the start line, and then I got to bring him back into stage, and I would, he's like, ah, 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 I'm trying to bring him into stage. <laughs> In the end, I'd just like start walking and if he couldn't see yeah. me he'd have to stop <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was just you'd have to do like a really long burnout and you know halfway down the track like some of the other um <laughs> drivers do to their to their poor reverse gears yeah like take them all the way halfway down the track and then make them back them up all the way from there so yeah yeah maybe if you get a chance you know a bit of payback for all those fast <laughs> reverses <laughs> definitely <laughs> all right well, look, um, we're going to end the episode there. Um, bit of a bit of a funny note for the end of the episode. 
Um, thank you for taking the time out to have a chat with us. Um, well, me, actually, but us as in everyone that listens. And, um, yeah, good luck with the season ahead. Um, it's got a, what, a few months left, so. Yeah, a few races yeah. left. Yeah, a few races left. And, um, yeah, good luck. Hopefully you finish above your dad in the championship. And, um, I'm aiming for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yep. Um, yep, all done. Uh, another episode. Thank you very much. Um, and, yeah, we'll see everyone next episode. Bye. <laughs> Shane here from Behind the Sport. Thanks for listening to our latest episode. If you don't already follow us, head on over to Facebook and Instagram. Find us on there. Give us a follow. Or visit our website, behindthesport.net. Catch up with the latest motorsport news. Find all of our previous episodes. And, of course, you can leave us comments on those as well. You can also find us on your favourite podcast provider, such as Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and more. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.